It's Twin Bills, the Red Sox podcast from the sports department of the Providence Journal, featuring Red Sox beat writer Bill Koch, along with sports editor Bill Corey. Now, Twin Bills. Hello and welcome to this week's Twin Bills Red Sox podcast. This is Bill Corey, sports editor of the Providence Journal. With me is Bill Koch, our Red Sox writer. And Bill, it was a strange Thursday uh, in uh, in Boston. The Red Sox finished a, uh, a game that had been suspended on, uh, was it August 8th? August 7th into August, August 8th. Right. Yes. Um, and they finished it in uh, quick fashion. Uh, why don't you take us through uh, your uh, your adventure up in Fenway uh, today? Because it was uh, it's kind of a neat one, wasn't it? A very unique day. Uh, yeah. The first day of its kind of Fenway Park in 51 years, actually. Wow. Uh, this is the first time the Red Sox have played a suspended game that was not completed the following day ah. since 1968. Uh, the result was the same, a walk-off win for Boston. Uh, at that time, it was Hawk Harrelson hitting a grand slam. Uh, for some White Sox fans out there, they might know him as well sure. as a longtime team broadcaster. Today, it was Brock Holt, uh, a walk-off single to left field, a 5-4 win over the Royals, who stopped off between road trips to Baltimore and Cleveland to finish this one. Uh, Part of me feels for those guys, for sure. (laughs) Uh, They're certainly the more aggrieved team here than the Red Sox, who, yes, they lost a full-off day in San Diego, but still got to sleep in their own beds last night. Um, But it was a a really unique and, and I would say, really cool day uh, at Fenway Park this afternoon. Well, you know, a couple of podcasts ago, I went off on the the, uh, the fact that they even had to play this game. Yes. But I will say this, that the Red Sox uh, made the most of it in that I think they did the right thing. They let kids in for free. Mm-hmm. They charged $5 for adults, and that money went to the Jimmy Fund. Correct. And based on uh, some information we got from the team, the, uh, the Red Sox raised... Um, was it $45,000 for the Jimmy Fund today? Yeah, just over $45,000. Uh, and they had 16,000 people in the stands. And I, I have to I have to say, I didn't think they'd get that many. But obviously, the, the $5 and free tickets and the uh, discounted concessions, what, dollar hot dogs, I think. Yeah. That went a long way. Uh, and and according to what you were saying uh, a little while ago, lots of kids in the stands today. A lot of families. ton of kids. Uh, I took the train out of Wickford Junction today, the commuter rail, and it was nothing but parents and kids going to the game. It really wow. was. It was It was really great to see. Yep. Uh, they opened the gates at 11. They had kids on the warning track before the game. You could walk around the field. Uh, then after the game, if you were on a sign-up sheet, they let kids run the bases. Wow, um, great. It had a very minor league feel to it, mm. and I think that's what they needed to do to get people in the stands um i think their goal was sort of accomplished by just pretty much conducting a baseball open house Hmm. they threw up in the gates of fenway and they said if you want to come come that's great and if you're a normal family of four considering what it costs to go to fenway park and the fact that the games are at night and you usually get home really late even if it is the summer Mm -hmm. it's a little late for the little ones who you might have uh, this was a perfect opportunity to to get there, and you know the Red Sox complied uh, with the kids' attention span by only playing for twelve minutes. <laughs> they did, yeah. Uh, uh, you had a one-two-three top of the tenth inning from Josh Taylor, and then, you know, like I said earlier, the walk-off from Brock Holt. Uh, Brock Holt himself, who has a toddler son, said after the game, uh, "You know, my kid is not going to sit through nine innings in four hours, so this was perfect." 
for him as well. And I, I found that interesting, you know, coming from the baseball player who makes his living uh, doing this, that, you know, he wouldn't expect his own son to sit through such a game. Right, right. Well, it sort of came at a good time if you're a, if you're a parent of a uh, school-aged kid because we are now in the final week of summer for most, uh, for most families in terms of mm. when they go back to school. And so you're always kind of looking for something. I mean, you know, my kids are a little older now. I have a college-age daughter and a uh, high school senior to be. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I know. So that makes you feel old. But big year in the Corey household. <laughs> yeah. Big year. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I knew that uh, you know when the both kids were younger. This last week of, of of summer, you know, as a parent, you were just dying to get to the, <laughs> please, you know, get to Labor Day. So because we've run out of all the tricks, you know, we've done everything. We've gone to the parks and the water parks and the ice cream and we're out. We're, we've done. You know, we have nothing left. We actually just have to sit around and wait. So, so uh, you know, having a Red Sox game for free or for close to free, I mean, you still have to deal with getting there and paying for parking and all that, but it's a fraction of what you would, as you, as you mentioned, a fraction of what you would typically pay. So uh, it's good. It's good that the uh, families got there. It was a good atmosphere. It was a quick game, and the Red Sox won. Yeah, pretty much everything that you could ask for. And, and what you hope is, and you know, Alex Cora hit on this a little bit after the game, this was a great showcase for our game. You know, there was action, people had fun, kids were on the field. Mm. If this was your first game, you're taking away some great memories here. Absolutely. You will want to come back. Uh, and it begs the question how Major League Baseball and how teams can promote the game. Sure. Because your average night, I'm, I'm a baseball fan. From the time I was a kid, I didn't mind how long the games were. I would have sat there all night. It's fine. Yeah. Um, but I understand that I'm not like everybody else. And I understand that you know, three hours, three and a half hours is a long time for parents and, and kids to sit there. I also understand that if you want to get four decent tickets to Fenway Park and buy four hot dogs and four sodas and pay for parking and everything else, it's a significant cost. Sure. Um, you know, so I understand that side of it as well. Today was pretty much a perfect storm regarding both of those things, time and cost. Uh, but I wonder, Bill, if, if you might have any thoughts on you know, what the Red Sox or anyone else could do going forward. I know there was some chatter after the game today about Boston potentially doing something like this maybe once a year right. for home games, having right. this sort of open house style game just for the kids. You know, I think that... Um the first thing that baseball has to do, and it's obviously not just the Red Sox, is figure out how to shorten the game. You know, right. you, you know, you you said that you know you're a baseball fan, but when you and I were kids watching games, we weren't having to make that kind of investment. You know, the games that we were watching were probably two and a half to three hours long. They were shorter tops. And today, not only are the games longer than that, but there's so much other stuff for kids to kind of occupy themselves with. Sure. You know, so I, you know, I just think that the nature of baseball um, is not conducive to a young guy or a young girl who wants to go on their phone and chat with their friends and do all the other things that, that teens and preteens want to do. Um, you know, maybe if you can figure out, you know, a pitch clock and limiting the visits to the mound and, and all that, I think that helps. But, you know, for 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 most people, for most kids... Asking them to make a four-hour investment, I think, is is tough. Plus, you know, at night, even though it's summer, it's still you know a lot of these games don't end until ten thirty, eleven o'clock. It's 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 tough, right? 
Um, but you know, the Red Sox uh, got a good result today. They they won. And uh, they are, I guess they are still in the wild card race. I, I'm, I'm hesitant to just write them off. I don't think they're going to make, uh, I don't think they're going to make the postseason. I'm giving them a 95% chance of not making the postseason. I, I think you said last week that uh, the back cover of the book is closing. It's closing. Not quite yeah. closed, right. but closing. It's, it's, it's still closing. Yes. Um, I want to, what is it, six, six and a half in, out of the wild card. Now, we're do, we're, we're taping this prior to any Thursday night games. Prior to the night games, the, right. the Rays, A's, and Indians, and for that matter, the Twins, are, are all very close together now. Right, um, right. In the wild card standings. Either the Indians or the Twins will win the AL Central. Um, and so it will be left three teams for two spots. Yep. The Red Sox are currently outside of those three teams by six and a half, seven games in the loss column, whatever you'd like to say. And I think that the story that you had in today's journal that came off of last night's Phillies game pretty much said it all. And that, you know, this is a team that has had opportunity after opportunity to capitalize, score some runs with, with guys on base and close that gap. And, you know, it, they just haven't been able to. Uh, the Phillies came in here and took two games from them, and it was an opportunity if the Red Sox had won to narrow the gap in the wild card race yet again. And they weren't able to, and obviously, as we said last time, every time a, a, a day goes by and the Red Sox don't uh, close the gap, it's a win for the other teams. Well, I've been kind of stretching my legs a little bit after these games, uh, you know, writing post game columns for late deadline, right. uh, maybe for some of our digital subscribers, just sort of. You're trying to go a little more in-depth into you know what happened that particular night. Mm. Um, and Wednesday night's game against the Phillies, to me, it just spoke to their general lack of sharpness sure. all season. Yep. Uh, this team was so buttoned up in 2018. They were so focused, and they paid such great attention to detail. They did everything well, yep. whether it was pitching, relief pitching, hitting, uh, situational hitting. Defense, you know, any sort of base running, they were good at pretty much everything. Right. And so when you watch Wednesday night's game and you look at the way they gave up the first run to the Phillies, they had the base loaded, they stranded three men, it was a 2 nothing lead. Mm-hmm. Um, the next half inning, they have a double, a wild pitch on a ball in the dirt that Christian Vasquez can't corral. Right. And then he tries to throw to third base and the ball goes into left field. You give away a run. Uh, Rick Porcello misses on a backdoor slider to Bryce Harper. It ends up in the monster seats, mm. three to two. They had an insurance run, four to two. Brandon Workman's in in the ninth inning. He balks a runner to second. There's a base hit up the middle, five to two. And I and I was always getting on him for his walks, and here he is balking. <laughs> you know, and he hadn't walked a guy in like ten or eleven <laughs> right, appearances. Right. Um, so of course he balks him to second, and yeah. he can't get a pop up somewhere. Right. By that point, it's just Murphy's law, and it's yeah. there have been too many nights like that where the snowball has started downhill, and they just can't stop it. Yeah. And it's because of simple little focus, attention to detail mistakes that have accumulated in way too many of these games. Well, as you mentioned in that post-game sidebar that, that you posted on ProvidenceJournal.com in the wee hours. Um, Always this, in the wee hours. Right. Always. <laughs> this does not look like the team from last year. Even though all the faces are pretty much the same, it's just a different crew. 
It's just it's it's been a different vibe from the start. Yeah. Whether it was that West Coast trip where they were marooned out there and went three and eight, and they started eleven and seventeen, and even when they won five straight into the All Star break, they just haven't been able to get on that roll where it's nine out of ten or twelve out of fourteen. And they've spoken about that, and they've been openly frustrated about that. Yep. Uh, starting pitching has had a lot to do with that. The, their starters have not been good. Um, you know, they've been hurt. And they've been ineffective, um, and and in order to win a a certain amount of games in a row or over a period of time, it really helps if you get good starts. Mm. Um, but I just think that that generally, going into last year, and I said this, and I wrote about this a few times, the two postseason eliminations in sixteen and in seventeen, yeah. I think put a pretty serious chip on this team's shoulder. I, I think they were tired of being called losers and underachievers and you know, disappointments. I, I think they were a little tired of that. Yeah. And you know, Alex Cora was that breath of fresh air last year. He sort of refocused the clubhouse. He sort of. You know, came in and, and worked his core of magic. Mm. And the players were ready for that. They were ready for that change. They were ready to be challenged in a different way. It's a very talented group. And those talents came out over the course of 162 games and then 14 more in the playoffs. Uh, I just think that this year, I won't say that they're complacent because I, I truly believe that they do want to win. Mm-hmm. But I think that winning does dull those senses a little bit you, you do start to feel a little bit good about yourself and you do think to yourself hey we won 108 games eventually this is going to click in we're pretty much the same team that's just human nature and i think they've been fighting against that all year long and now they're at the point where they're just simply running out of time yeah they're, they're going to hear the same uh, i think they're going to hear some of the same criticisms and complaints after this season too well, under, it might underachievers be worse. and it might be worse yeah, because they're yeah, not going to be. make the postseason this year yep Yep. Well, there's a 95% chance. I just said it. (laughs) I just said it. I I went further than you. I said it. Okay. So uh, excited utterance. Let's uh, let's uh, turn our attention to a couple of items that came up uh, in the past week. And the first, of course, is Chris Sale. And, uh, you know, hearing the two words no pitcher wants to hear. And that is the three words, I guess. Dr. James Andrews. Yes. Um, Yes. So, but in this case, uh, it did not uh, end that badly. Uh, the uh, The inflammation in his elbow was, in fact, inflammation in the elbow. Uh, there was no need for surgery, at least not now. Uh, they ba- they're basically shutting him down for the season. It's done for four to six weeks, which is essentially the rest of the year. Right. And because uh, you said they're not going to the postseason, that means that they're <laughs> that they're. Oh, sure. they, now you're going to blame me. Well, I, I see how that works. Right. So that that uh, he won't be pitching again in 2018. No. Um, but Bill, you know, um, this is a pitcher obviously who has ha- has a lot of miles on that arm. He's been pitching uh, for uh, a long time and mm-hmm. it's thrown. A lot of innings when he was with Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, uh, last two seasons anyway, he's you know he's kind of faded down the stretch, and now he is done for the season because of elbow inflammation. Before he starts a five-year contract extension, uh, so what do you make of all that? Because I gotta believe that um, you know if you're a Red Sox fan, 
you have to look back at that extension now and say, geez, I wonder how smart that was. Yeah, it, it's a lot to worry about. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, Chris Sale had finished in the top six of the Cy Young voting in each of the last seven years. That will not happen this season. Right. Uh, 4.40 ERA in 25 starts. That's going to be his career worst. Um, you look at the jumps that he's experienced, whether it's in hits allowed per nine innings, home runs allowed per nine innings, uh, even walks allowed per nine innings. He's at 2.3. He hasn't walked that many batters per nine innings since 2012. Uh, so it just speaks to, you know, much like the team, sales lack of sharpness throughout the year. He mm-hmm. had a 10-start period where I think he pitched to a 2.24 ERA early in the year. The Red Sox just couldn't score for him and couldn't win a game. Right. And then he had some truly bad starts, whether it was at Toronto, uh, at the Yankees, where he wasn't necessarily helped out by the home plate umpire very much, yeah. um, but had some really difficult starts against New York. Uh, the Sunday night game where they could have swept the Yankees. Uh, at Fenway Park and, and maybe change the playoff picture a little bit. Uh, he was hit hard in that one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's also had some great moments. If you think about his last outing against the Angels, two hits over eight innings, 13 strikeouts. Sure. Uh, the 17 strikeout game against the Rockies, uh, which is a decent lineup. Um, you know, you go back to the shutout he threw against the Royals. There have been times where he has displayed you know, what you would say is vintage Chris Sale stuff. Uh, but they have been a little more few and far between than you would be comfortable with at this point. Absolutely, yeah. He has shown flashes. I think that early in the season there was concern about his velocity, and then certainly his velocity seemed to be there. But just overall, he wasn't. He just hasn't been the same effective pitcher that he has been in the past. And now moving forward, you know, you just wonder. You know, are they going to have to sort of treat him with even? even more tender kid gloves because they certainly haven't uh, tried to overwork him and they, they've tried to slow him down, uh, giving him a, a, a breather when they could. Uh, but, you know, now with this uh, elbow inflammation, which he received a platelet-rich injection for, plasma injection, Yes. Uh, now you wonder, geez, you know, is this sort of par for the course now for the next few years? Do they Are they going to have to shut him down? Are they going to have to give him a, a breather at some point in the season? Uh, because, uh, as you said um, before we get on the air here, you know, usually this is the precursor to eventually having Tommy John surgery. You just hope it doesn't happen for a few years. But, you know, you just sign him to five more seasons after this season. Yeah, generally you want that to be a last resort. Yeah. Um, you know, you... you you don't want to have Tommy John because you know how long it's going to take to come back. Uh, having the PRP injection, though, at this point in the year, the interesting thing about that is he's going to be reevaluated probably the first week of October. Mm-hmm. You don't figure you're going to make the playoffs. If he has Tommy John now or Tommy John in six weeks, he's still out all of 2020. Oh, sure. So you want to give it some time, mm-hmm. maybe allow his elbow to calm down on its own. You send him to Fort Myers. He already lives there. That's his off-season home as right. well. You get him on a little bit of a throwing program with your training staff down there. You maybe try to build him up to the point where he can throw an inning or two on the side. Mm-hmm. And then you evaluate him medically again. You send him back to Andrews maybe for the third time, or you take another MRI, and you see what the results are in there. And if he gets into, say, late October, early November on his throwing program, and there are still signs of trouble there, whether it's inflammation that hasn't calmed down or more elbow pain or maybe something that you haven't seen on an MRI already that all of a sudden pops up. Yeah. 
at that point you would make a decision and you might go have surgery of, of some kind, right. whatever it might be. Right. Um, you might take a more drastic medical course. But for right now, I really think they're trying to just put that off. They know that it's toward the end of the year. They know he's not going to pitch again. They understand that this is a long-term investment in a pitcher who, let's face it, they're going to have to rely upon here going forward. Uh, they have him, David Price, Nathan Evaldi, Eduardo Rodriguez, all locked up under fairly long-term control. Yeah. This is pretty much their team, barring any sort of trade. Sure. So any sort of pushing him on the faint chance that you might be able to make the playoffs or pushing him just for the sake of trying to get him back out on the mound, it wouldn't be the most prudent course of action right no. now. But, you know, it's it's sad when you look at the state of the rotation right now. The rotation pretty much has two healthy starting pitchers. You got any eggs? <laughs> I, I can probably give you, a, yeah, I don't know, four or five. Can maybe. you give us a spot start? <laughs> like 70, 75 pitches? <laughs> yeah, so you've got Erod and Rick Porcello really are the only uh, true uh, starting pitchers that you have healthy right now. Now, um, David Price has, has thrown again today and, and may, may be back uh, in the next week or, or so here. Um, I have a sneaking suspicion that we might see David Price in Anaheim. That that's just a hunch. So that's not this coming weekend. That's the following the next weekend. weekend. Yeah. That's just a hunch. Yeah, I, I feel like we might. Right, um, but by then, who cares? Right. <laughs> well, that's right. It, it, you know, they're going to handle him based on where they are in the playoffs. Right. I, I don't think right. that they're going to push him out there if they're out of it. Sure, sure. But uh, boy, it, it it really is in stark contrast to last season when you look at the rotation. I mean, you are basically in in shambles here. You've got sale done for the year. You've got Price, who's on the IL. Uh, you've got um, Porcello, who is healthy and been pitching, but hasn't been effective. No. And Erod, who uh, you know generally has been fairly effective. Just I think kinda, he's been good. Yeah, just maybe a little frustrating at times, but uh, you know fairly effective. And then after that, it's like Brian Johnson and and whoever else you can maybe bring up for a spot start here or there. Yeah. Yeah, they've gone bullpenning a couple times <clears throat> yeah. behind Brian Johnson. Um, yeah, just the performance of that group. I, I think that's you know where eventually when we do the the autopsy of the 2019 <laughs> season, I think those guys are going to get most of the blame. And, sure. and some of them you can't necessarily fault guys for getting hurt. That happens, right? Uh, you know, you look at a guy like Porcello. He's underperformed quite a bit at a really bad time because it's a contract year for him, um, you know, and through no fault of his own because the guy's a great pro. He works really hard. Uh, his stuff has just looked a little ordinary at times yeah. this year and, and at a really bad time for him. Um, you know, Sale, as I said, has been inconsistent. There have been times where he was really good, times where he was really bad. Did that have something to do with an injury that he was carrying? Mm-hmm. We don't know. Right. They insisted he was healthy throughout the year. I tend to believe them. I just don't think he was very good if yeah. you look at his pitch locations and whatever else. Uh, this could go back to how they handled these guys in spring training. Uh, coming off last year, the World Series, they worked them really hard. Uh, you're doing that to try to win a championship. This is not Little League. This is professional baseball. Uh, these guys were asking to go out there in relief and, and you know on short rest. and you know, They were asking for that workload to try to win rings. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so the natural inclination is let's bring them in this spring and and really sort of take the foot completely off the pedal. Right. Let them ease into action. Was that the right course? I don't know. I would expect though that they're going to make some changes next spring, and I'd be interested to see if their workloads 
change yeah. next spring. Yeah. If they get one extra start, if they throw a few extra pitches, if they try to maybe simulate a little more of a game situation a little earlier because I don't think what they did this year worked. No, I think we have obviously we have 2020 vision now and I think if you look back on it a lot of people will point to that start and say, well, they they just they buried themselves early and they weren't ready to go and there's a lot of truth to that. You know, they they uh the, the starting pitchers really did not have the typical spring training, certainly not the kind of spring training they had the prior year. Uh, and it kind of showed because it, it took them really a, a few weeks to kind of get up to speed and get out of the gate. And by then, you had such a slow start. You were already behind everybody else. And then, you know, during the course of the year, you had issues with health and stuff. And you just weren't ever, ever really going to catch up. But, you know, this that's all going to be for the autopsy edition. Uh, uh, that's right. But we don't want to give it away yet. No, we can't do that. <laughs> So what I want to uh, touch base with you on here before we wrap up is uh, the Red Sox are going to be going to the West Coast. Uh, they left right uh, this afternoon, I believe. Uh, they're going yep. to San Diego, then they're going to Colorado, then they'll be in Anaheim. Uh, so you're going to get a nice break because you are not on this trip with them. You were you were, you were with them to begin the season on the West Coast when hopes were high and uh-huh. and uh, everyone was looking for a repeat. Uh, I don't think there's going to be quite as much interest in this trip. Uh, so uh, what? the heck are you going to do with yourself for the next uh, week and a half or so here? Well, as you know, and we've talked about this on the podcast before, I time off and me don't necessarily get along. <laughs> I've heard that, well. that yeah. Um, this weekend, though, I, I probably will keep to myself a little bit. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the Paw Sox are out of town. Right, right. Uh, when they do return... They'll be back next week. Though. Next week yeah. for their uh, season-ending homestand. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to get out to McCoy Stadium uh, because they have... Some interesting names there right now. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck is off to a very nice start yep. uh, in his AAA debut. Uh, you know, a guy who they have a lot of stock in as an organizational prospect. Uh, you know, power hitting corner infielder uh, type of guy who you know, is at or near the top of their prospect list. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to Baseball America or MLB.com, uh, you know, he's somebody to watch in the system. Uh, CJ Chatham, infielder who they promoted from Portland, uh, another guy who is probably a, a top 10-ish type prospect mm-hmm. uh, who they have, uh, you know, somebody who is worth tracking, a guy who whose glove is probably a little bit ahead of his bat, um, but who is off to a decent start offensively and, and was pretty good this year at Portland, hitting-wise. Uh, you wonder who else they might bring through, um, you know, whether somebody like... You know, you're looking at somebody like Kyle Hart. Does he get a chance in Boston if they decide to you know, shut down some of the starters and, and bring somebody up? Uh, you know, Daniel McGrath's another guy who has been on an unbelievable run at Portland. Um, probably a little short of time to, to bring him up to Pawtucket. He made one start there earlier this year. Uh, you know, might he get a, a AAA start hmm. at the end of the you know the end of the season here. Um, you know, so you, you've got some interesting names there. Uh, Dalbeck and, and Chatham are, are at the top of the list. Um, I wouldn't mind looking at those two guys and, and you know just having a word with them and, and seeing you know what they feel like they've gotten out of this season. Mm. Uh, they both performed at a lower level. They both sort of transitioned to AAA. 
you sort of want to get an idea of you know where their heads are at if they feel like they're going to need more time there to start next season if they feel like they can compete for a job right out of spring um it's always a really interesting discussion with some guys to see what kind of head they have on their shoulders uh, in in that regard sure well you know if if you are somebody who uh keeps saying you know i I gotta get out to mccoy stadium uh you don't have many chances left. And as you said, you, there's a couple of players there that you may want to actually go and, and see before the season wraps up. And obviously, this is the penultimate season of the, of, uh, the, Red, of the Pawtucket Red Sox at McCoy Stadium. As, as we know, uh, unfortunately, they're leaving Rhode Island at the end of next season. So uh, if you feel up to it, they'll, they will be back um, in town, I believe, on Monday uh, to host Scranton Wilkesbury. Uh, and that, as you said, is their final homestand of the year. So uh, if you are looking for something to do and to want to see some Red Sox prospects, Bobby Dahlback, uh, Chatham uh, should all be in the lineup next week. Um, so that's that's always a great take. So that the uh, the um, experience you had at Fenway today with the uh, half uh, half price or low price admissions and, and dollar hot dogs, it's, it's almost like that all the time at, at McCoy. It is uh, free and free parking. Free parking, um, you know. Obviously, so so many, you know, so many great memories there for so many people in the state. Um, great seats. You're, you're not far away from the field, no matter where you sit, really. Right. Uh, you know, and it's nice when they have a player or two there. Uh, you know, obviously they had Michael Chavis for a little bit. Yeah. Early this season, they had Darwin's and Hernandez for a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys have have made significant contributions in Boston so far. Um, you'd like to think that maybe Dalbeck shows up there next year. Yeah. Uh, Sam Travis could still be there next year. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who spent a fair amount of time in Pawtucket this season. Uh, that's the way prospect development works. You, you might not necessarily know all of the names. They might not all be on your radar. Yeah. All of a sudden, though, you'll turn on the Red Sox game and you'll say, hey, wait, yeah. that guy was in Pawtucket last year. Right. I saw him play eight to ten times or whatever it was. Uh, and now he's helping the big league club. Sure, so sure. something to think about, uh, you know, as we go into the last week of the year here. You know, it's tough with AAA because it's not like it used to be. You know, AAA is is um, it's really uh, not the spot where the top prospects spend a lot of time. Could be more in Portland for that, right? And they, you know, they usually come through and will spend uh, you know a few weeks, maybe a month or two. And if they're that good, then then they're up with the uh, they're up with the big club. Uh, but still, a uh, a great take. So, if you are thinking about uh, something to looking for something to do here in the in the last few weeks of summer, Paw Sox is always a good option. Bill, thanks again. We will get back together next week and see how the Red Sox are doing uh, as they uh, make their way uh, around the West Coast. And I'll see what uh, what you've been up to too. <laughs> Maybe maybe it's not something we can talk about on the podcast. I was going to say, that could be the off-air podcast. We'll, we'll have to run that by Alan Rosenberg and see what he has to say about okay. that. All right. Thanks again, Bill. We'll do it again next week. All right, Bill.